Hello, everyone, and a very warm welcome to the first Kaizen Central of 2022. Delighted to see you all. I hope uh, everybody had a wonderful holiday and new year. Um, pardon me, I have a Christmas frog in the throat. <clears throat> I shall be uh, letting people in as we go, so do forgive me if I'm uh, slightly distracted by that. People are piling in. Um, we have a terrific, terrific story for you today. And uh, I have to say, it's one that um, I was delighted to get involved in. Um, we went to uh, Birmingham, made a film about this particular story, because to me, it was it was a fascinating insight into so many different aspects of uh, digitalization, scale up. Um, it was about and how government interacts with uh, with manufacturers. I have to say, it was just all round fantastic. So it's my pleasure to introduce Tim Bilqueen, uh sales director from Ramfoam uh, in Birmingham, uh, and Paul Milne. Delighted that uh, you've joined us. Thank you, Paul, from the Warwick Manufacturing Group from Warwick University. Um, as we'll see, WMG played a massive part in this story. Um, but first, Tim, um, I'd be really grateful if you could just give us a, a sort of overview about um, Ramfoam, very quickly what Ramfoam does, size of the company, the, the innovative product you came up with, and then what happened next after the start of the pandemic. So we've been established since 1995. Um, we're probably the largest polyethylene converter in Europe. And um, as we discussed when you visited our facility, we cover pretty much every sector. And as the pandemic hit, uh, naturally, we saw the aviation side of our business start to shrink, uh, the event side of the business and, you know, the uh, uh, B to uh, C. So we were faced with looking at what we could do. Um, and the first thing I looked at, there was a global shortage of uh, PPE. And we were uh, approached by many companies looking for the foam headpiece for a visor. It's normally a soft PU material. Um, and we did quite a little bit of, well, we did quite a lot of business in that. And friends of mine that were uh, in the medical industry, the doctors and nurses at the time said, they're very uncomfortable. Surely you can do something better with the materials that you have. And the plastazote material made in the UK uh, medically approved, uh, LD33 and 45s, uh, chemically inert, um, great qualities. So we set quite quickly to see how we could get a visor down to maybe one piece. Well, you can't get it to one piece because there's two different materials. And normally there's five, there's an adhesive, there's an elastic, there's pins. And the reason why the visor manufacturers and a lot of the masks and things did go abroad, there's a lot of uh, human interaction needed. So we managed to get it down to two pieces and we pulled in some of our sort of um, automotive background and went out to market to look at what was out there and what machinery was there because the government in the beginning had gone out and sort of secured aprons and the masks and the visors were sort of the third or the fourth thing. So the presses that we use um, are the same presses that are used to press the aprons. 
So first of all, we had a uh, issue trying to source machinery. So quite quickly, we got in touch with Warwick Manufacturing Group. Uh, myself and Paul go back some time. And Paul, uh, thanks Paul, and his team quite quickly got on to finding either press machinery capacity or actually presses that were for sale. Um, whilst this was happening in the background, because it was it was a every hour was a changing target, um, we were looking at how we could improve the design. Um, obviously, you can't just sell into the hospital. Um, one thing that I can say about the process that we went through, uh, Deloitte and PwC and the likes, we were extremely uh, vetted, and um, we had to meet BSEM one six six standards. We had to satisfy the health and safety executive of the hospital. We had to convince the government that we were obviously financially stable and that we could deliver on what we said we could. So whilst uh, uh, Paul and his team were helping us find the capacity, we were pushing on trying to get the uh, specifications that we needed to supply government. Now, Donald Trump, um, as soon as the pandemic hit, he stopped all medical materials or medical items that could be used to manufacture medical materials from leaving the USA which created a problem is the material at the time, uh, which is the optical film, it has to have a optical level of 0.1. It has to be anti-glare, anti-fog. Um, and we couldn't get the material. So we had to uh, engage with uh, DuPont, Mitsubishi, uh, in order for them to start to look to manufacture within Europe. Um, we failed a couple of the tests uh, when we were trying to get the specifications because we were using different materials. But within the space of two or three weeks, thankfully, we managed to get full BSDM 166 approval, secure material supply with the help again of, of Paul and his team. Um, whilst we got one spare facility that's around 55,000 square foot, by no means had we got the space to ramp up to this volume of uh, what was originally 5 million units per week. And quite luckily, and there's always a little bit of luck in everything, a facility came up within a mile of one of our facilities. We called it a Nightingale facility for us. Um, and what we didn't want to take any risk with is having moved factories several times and got factories set up across the globe, um, we know the pain of when you install a facility and then you realise bottleneck slowdowns and the cost then of moving electrics and powers um, and I'd never been one hands up to, uh, I probably didn't really know what digital mapping of a factory was this time, 18 months, two years ago. And Paul um, and Bayes jumped through hoops because as government, we couldn't get people on site because of COVID. But Paul managed to get the, um, the guys to come to the facility, map it all out. And as you saw, everything that WMG did with the factory mapping mirrored what was happening and that ensured that when we you know within three we were we were on a war footing i mean even now my, my, my hairs are on end within five weeks this was happening you know and the passion of the team and how fast we were moving um and dedication we couldn't get it wrong because in my eyes every single person at that point in time we didn't know about the virus we know a lot more now than we did then we were all sort of um, trying to do our best and not knowing what it what this actually was. And if one of these guys has saved one life, 
I think that, you know, it was a job well done from the, you know, all the way down to the cleaners, all the way down to the kitchen staff that we had, all the way down to the shop floor staff. Every single person played a, an immense part in helping our, our country. And, um, yeah, I, I'm immensely proud of it. But it was it was moving that fast and looking back, you know, the team that, that we had, we're still all very close now. And, yeah, it was just unbelievable. Okay. Well, Tim, um, the, the, the bit in that that uh, we're, I'm, I, I think I mentioned this in, in the note, but the fact was that you before this were a £15 million a year company. The contract yep. you actually got from the government was for £149 million. Um, yes. So you were looking at a, a, a contract um, that a Tenfold. company 10 times your size yep. was going to have to fulfill. So I, if I can, I'd just like to bring Paul into the conversation. Um, just talk about the, the, the way that you were brought into, I know you and Tim go back, but how WMG, HVMC, Bayes and all that, how it actually worked, because to tell you the truth, when I heard the story for the first time, when I went and did it with uh, your colleague Mark up at Ramfo, Mark Swift from WMG, I was astounded at how smoothly it appeared to have gone. Paul, tell us how it worked from WMG's point of view. So, I mean, an good good evening, one and all. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to join join you on this this call. It, uh, Universities are fantastic. You know, in the UK, we've got some of the best universities, but what we're not so great at is translating that expertise and getting that working to the benefit of our our companies. And our companies, having worked in industry myself, work very, very hard. So um, really, as part of WMG, which is wired a little bit differently from most academic departments, it puts industry at the heart of everything it does. And through the Catapult Network, which bridges a gap between academia um, uh, and, and, and in the industry, deliberately so. So when the call came out, um, it was through Bayes, through to the catapults. Can anybody support this company? I saw the name Tim Mulqueen and Ramfam. I said, yeah, I know this guy. I'll be delighted to get in touch uh, and see what we can do to help because we're here to help manufacturing companies. We're here to make sure that our UK manufacturing um, increases through through the various challenges um, uh, thrown at it and this was a you know really challenging time for, for manufacturers many manufacturers at the time were furloughed a really tough time we were supporting on uh, at WMG through a number of projects we had one um, uh, a ventilator challenge we supported with which is a sort of an updated iron lung construction and uh, a number of these contracts came through uh, shared out amongst the Catapult Network. Um, I was able to get in touch with, with Tim on the back of that, find out quite quickly what what was needed. Uh, first of all, to as Tim said, to find capacity in the supply chain. Um, and, uh, you know, most people phoning around were delighted to help uh, and uh, help out that way. And then, as, as Tim said, and I, I find this absolutely remarkable because it's a scale up from tens of thousands to millions within five weeks. I think from clock start to 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 um, to to, 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 to uh, you know uh, clock stop on it. So is is really impressive. And doing that at the best of times, if you're in manufacturing, you know scale up is 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 not an easy business to do. So being able to help with that and take some of the risk away, and to give uh, 
you know, uh, ran from the, the, the confidence. Uh, I think it was on one Friday you talked about it and I was trying to persuade you the benefits, Tim, on, on, on the... Uh, on, on using the digital twin approach yep. to sort of sim, 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 simulate uh, the factory. I think it was on the Monday Monday lunchtime we, we met with yep. the guys and they showed you. I think yep. your jaw dropped to the floor and, you know, uh, and what they were able to do. And that was, you know, and, but it was, it was delighted to be able to, you know, play our, our, our small part in, you know, in, and, and Tim's energy at that time, I have to say, was really infectious. He really motivated the team and it was, it was, it was quite something to behold. And I think we also proved as well that, you know, high volume manufacturing, we could have produced probably 7 million of these a week in the UK, in the black country. Um, it was, you know, you know, we proved it could be done in the UK, high volume manufacturing. We, one thing that I, I, I do, um, that we uh, instilled was we all celebrated our weaknesses and um, we'd got a gentleman from uh, automotive background, Richard Brighton, um, that was at the uh, auto base facility. And every day we'd have an eight o'clock meeting and a five o'clock meeting. Things, were mo- as I say, were moving that quick. Um, but if we couldn't do something, we put our hands up and said, right, I can't do that. What can you do? And we were literally, it just was a team. And I think, again, it was because of the passion and the cause it was for. And every person at the time, because we were going around to all the hospitals and in the beginning, because it, it wasn't, should we say, uh, approved at that point, we were just giving stuff away. So we gave thousands of these items away because uh, nurses and people on the front line hadn't got anything. And the people that were having them were sending photos in. You know, we just said, oh, if you know, if, if you like them, a bit of a focus group, can we get your feedback? Are they too tight? Does, does this happen? Um Every single photo that we received, and we've got a collage in our factory, everybody was smiling, wearing one. And they are. I mean, um, I'll gladly send every single person on the call one. When you do wear one of these visors, you forget that you're wearing it. It's comfortable. It's um, a stretch fit. You know, even myself, the amount of people that used to drink their coffee with the visor still down. But uh, Tim mentioned the. I don't know if you've mentioned the wings yet for the the the, the what yeah, you so, heard from the feedback from the nurses. Yeah, so we couldn't do. Obviously, we couldn't have focus groups because at that time you couldn't have more than six in a room and it's two meter distances. And um, so we asked for remote sort of uh, feedback from people. And at the time, a lot of nurses were getting uh, and doctors. Uh, we're getting uh, sores behind their ears from the face masks. And I'm sure all of us, especially wearing glasses, know that your ears do get a bit sore with these masks on if you're wearing them, you know, for 12 hours a day. So we actually decided to put ears on our headband. And that's one of the things that the all the staff that wear them, it saves their ears. There's no pressure, there's no sores. And there's just two little wings at the back. And that was just from listening to what was the customer or the, the user at that time. And, and the one good thing about also about our products was, whilst it, it has a lower whole life cost, so it's recyclable, you know, out of everything that we did, not one thing went to landfill. Everything was recycled. Everything's reusable. It can be cleaned with hydrochloride solution. It can go in a dishwasher. It can go through uh, bleach, uh, soap and water. So not only did the... Uh, the DHSP get you know they weren't single use you could you could carry on using them and using them and using them i understand that you didn't actually um go the the the, the full distance with the contract tim what happened no so um towards maybe uh, uh 
three quarters of the way through, maybe the government actually cut the contract. So it didn't end up being the 149 million for the 72 million. We ended up delivering 55 million. Did they say why? Um, no, um, we can presume why, but no. OK, yeah, I, you, you know why I'm asking the question, because there was a story today about lateral flow tests, yes. uh, which uh, the government was uh, pledged to make in this country. Then they cancelled the contract and sent it to China. Um, so, you know, th- I think there's going to be a little bit of uh, noise being made about that uh, in the press tomorrow. Paul, the, the, I'm going to play a little bit of um, a, a little bit of video. This is um, I hope, can you all see the factory layout there? Um, yeah. And this is this is the digital twin in action, and the uh, and the, and the factory itself. And Tim, I remember you telling me, and that when we were making this film, that there was uh, uh, it was quite astonishing to be able to see um, the whole thing in action. Um, you know, looking at with a tablet with the, uh, the the digital twin going on and seeing it uh, it actually happening as they <coughs> as they as they uh, projected yeah it was it, it was it was actually tremendous and i wish one thing you know we, we've had andy street come uh, come to the facility we've had obviously uh, paul and the team come and i think the one thing that i want more to come out of everything was yes that was great it was 2020 you know we created a lot of jobs i think there was 1500 jobs safeguarded and that relied on that project and the economies it helped but it's how the government on where we are in haynes road i'm not sure if everyone knows tiverdale dudley wolverhampton it was the home of engineering home of manufacturing you've got the black country museum and it's quite sad to see how it is today and I guarantee you, just on our one industrial estate, there are companies on there that can benefit from a bit of digitization or because I was I wasn't a hands up. I was not a believer. I thought, oh, I know how to do it. I can do it better or we know how to do it. We've always done it like this and I've done this for X amount of years. But having seen it and it, it is it can be difficult allowing someone to come into your business and tell you what to sort of what to do because you we all think that we've done it we've tried it we've tried that method and here we go again but having embraced it and actually gone with the change we proved that look at what we could do a manufacturer yeah. 10 times uh you know the turnover from the black country but paul i i think it was a it was a remarkable demonstration um and and i know that there are there are there are people maybe even some people on this call who have um <laughs> expressed a little bit of, how should I put it, just scepticism about the way the whole support structure works uh, at the catapult level uh, and so on. But I think you you guys leapt into action and, and without you, this wouldn't have happened. Is that fair to say? I think that's... Uh, that's, uh, that's... <laughs> Really, for, for, for Tim to say, I mean, we are here to help man, man, manufacturing companies. We are paid by government coin, and our universities, one way or another, are paid by government coin. So they are a resource that, you know, I am. I'm really passionate about. We should be using more. Um, I think you touched on a, a, a few things that that is, you know, having some consistency within government so that we are able to help. We're, we're tied to a funding cycle. Um, so where we are in that funding cycle makes an incredible amount of difference because we can't be turned on and turned off like a tap. Um, 
uh, you know, capability is either here or it isn't. It was fortunate at the time, a lot of, there was a lot of closure uh, within the manufacturing sector. So yes, the, 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 we had resource available in the team to turn to this. And because of its importance, you know, I put it number one, top of our priority and put, uh, you know, quite a sizable team to, to, to work on it yeah. because I could see the impact um, straight away. And, um, you know, if I could take some of the risk out of that scale up process, and that's classically what a digital yeah. twin is able to do um, and to give confidence that uh, I think early on in the process, we, we had uh, lined up one, one side of the factory with, with some piece of equipment, I think Tim, yeah. one of your colleagues, Richard, might have said, oh, we can't do it that way because of PowerPoint. And we were yeah. able to change it around within within minutes. Yeah. So oh, we just, and, and we you could do that digitally, of course. Yeah. But <laughs> imagine doing that on a factory floor. No. And it would have it would have meant that, you know, potentially we would we, we'd have been a lot slower starting up with bottlenecks. I mean, the thing is with our material, so foam, they're two meter by one meter sheets. You know, the pallets are two meters high. All of a sudden, you know, we'd got uh, in the height, we'd got 15 trucks coming in a day at four, 40 foot articulated uh, wagons and 30 going out. So you could see quite quickly within three days, we could have just had a factory full of foam and not been able to move. You know, we were operating three shifts. Um, and it, yeah, that, that modeling was priceless and i can see where if you look at if we go back say three years and we've had this discussion several times at our facility with warwick manufacturing group i know what it's like when you're looking for help and you get this this form comes into your email box that's about 37 pages long and it's asking for your recyclability policy your electricity policy your green policy it's asking for lots and lots and lots of questions and it can be quite daunting and we filled in lots of things and by the time we filled it we've either missed the funding or it was was it the erg i think the european growth european growth fund yeah um and if you didn't tick so many boxes it was difficult so potentially a lot of us think well we're not going to get it or we don't bother with it and all i can say is keep pushing because i know that government are trying to simplify things but when you get the help that you need and the, the joining of the minds, look at what we achieved. Well, I'd like to pick up on that because um, I know that what happened to you and Ram Foam Tim was extraordinary. Um, and But let's just imagine that uh, an SME at a much smaller scale of uh, government procurement, not, not 10 times turnover, which of course <laughs> As some, I think you said, a sort of war footing level. But just imagine that government procurement was um, more evenly shared out in the SM, SME community and um, the processes by which one could tender and, and maybe uh, make partnerships to, you know, to, so that SMEs could get some of these contracts. The impact that has on um, UK manufacturing is extraordinary. And I think as, as we're looking now in the sort of post-pandemic, post-Brexit era, a lot of reshoring going, a lot of intent to reshore. I'm wondering, Paul, if this, if, if, if the injection of government assistance and government uh, money in the form of a procurement contract 
if it was sort of smooth, you know, shared out um, at a lower level, but a wider level as well, that would have an enormous impact on the manufacturing sector, wouldn't it? I hope I'm not being naive here, but I, it seems to me like a great idea. Uh, yes, I think uh, I think there's definitely something in procurement. Um, we don't need to look too far. HS2, how many? How many what's the UK suppliers on HS2? Um, yeah, I can see people shaking their heads. It's another missed opportunity, but it won't be the last infrastructure project, and it's one we can solve. Uh, what tends to happen, uh, and, and, and and I've seen this firsthand, is a large prime will stick up a hand and say, "Yes, we will do that," and form an alliance and we'll say yes we will ensure there's local supply chain but when push comes to shove it's the first thing out the door it's the same thing when they sign up to innovation uh, agendas it's the first thing out the door and it all comes about delivery and then it's cap in hand back to government um so we, we do need to change that dial um as SME is an incredibly powerful part of of, of UK economy, and we can we can lobby our, our you know our, our government and hold them to account and make sure that actually the, we do get the opportunities to bid for for, for such uh, work. And you know there's huge 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 opportunities uh, coming with uh, Brexit. I wasn't a fan, I have to say, um, that we we can reassure expert. Uh, uh, reshore uh, various man, man, manufacturing. Uh, look at the same sustainability. Is it really sustainable to to ship goods from halfway around the world when we could get them uh, a, a lot more locally? You know, we've seen disruptions to supply chains over the last year. Wouldn't security of supply be a, a, a much more important now? And we can make the uh, argument to have local supply and build local supply chains. And this is where I see the catapults playing an, an enormous uh, amount because we can help companies get ready for the opportunities. Um, you know, speak if you haven't spoken to your catapult organization, you know, speak to them. If you if you don't know what they are, you know, I'm more than welcome you to to, to, to pester me because as I say, it's it's UK taxpayers' money. Let's make it work and 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 take advantage for for UK manufacturing. And I think what Tim said, if I can just sorry, what Tim yeah. said is very germane to that point, Paul. Um, I'm sorry, Ram Shankar's not on the call because he's a great advocate of design smarter, and you know what UK in terms of the um, uh, the, the visors. Uh, were importing were actually poorly designed. Um, they didn't work very well, and they had five parts. Tim designed something that was cheaper and replicable, um, and um, recyclable and reusable, um, and mass man volume manufacturing uh, in the UK. We can do this. We don't have to rely on the fact that just because it's done, you know, cheaply elsewhere, we can't find smarter ways of doing it. But there's also yeah. so it, we we had a meeting. I mean, I, I started to go into with Andy Street, uh, Mayor of <clears throat> Birmingham. I, I started going to Rules of Origin. So we're all trying to be green now, and there's you know there's a big drive towards green and recycling and reusability and upcycling, and um, it's it's coming very hard. And there's so much that we can do. <laughs> like if you look at uh, Dubai, we have a facility there. Uh, they have a huge drive at the minute called emiratization. So it's about keeping the money in the country, buying from in-country, looking at what we can do. The Saudi, it's called Saudiization 2030, making India. Um, all these uh, initiatives, they appear to be working from what I, my um, 
first-hand experience with them. And it should be. We look at the likes of JCB, um, great company, uh, Bamford's, um, massive, massive uh, business all over the world. They've uh, just received the biggest order, £65 million, 2,100 vehicles to, is it, Sun Rentals uh, in the UK. Great. Surely that uh, JCB should have a 50% rule of origin or a 30% rule of origin where the government gives them some tax breaks or they give them some initiative or a green or a carbon credit or whatever you want to say in order that that percentage is gets higher and higher each year with UK manufacturing. The same as JCB. JCB can rock up in, and, and apologies if we keep using JCB as the... Uh, the example, but they can rock up in India, they can go to Pakistan, they, they, they've got funding and they've got power. Ten years ago, I went off to the Middle East and looked at the construction was coming out of the 2007, you know, it was picking back up again. What can we do? So Ramfo went out there and we haven't got this huge pool of money. Um, and we looked at how we could service and export more. And I've seen many companies from the UK go over there and, you know, if you work out the cost of a flight, £500, the cost of a hotel, six, £700, uh, you know, a week meeting could probably cost £3,000. So many companies don't because they haven't got the power of JCB. But I've gone over to the Middle East. I've got a 150,000 square foot facility there. It took me a long time, 10 years. We could have turned our back on it. But perseverance, had we have had some help or a partner that had been there and done it, it would have been an awful lot easier. And the one thing that we need to look at is we're Britain, and, you know, great British manufacturing. Everywhere I've been, and I, I was international director, I used to travel to probably 10 to 14 countries a month. They all looked at the UK because they know that we were good at manufacturing. And everywhere that I went into businesses, normally always had a British engineer there because we we got the knowledge, the experience. And it's sad to see that companies won't, and a lot of companies on this call probably wouldn't look to venture out to the Middle East or Dubai. I mean, Saudi, Saudi's going to explode. It's going to be, you know, the stuff that's going on there, you know, the, the UK manufacturers need, need some help to get over there because the products that we have here, they need. Okay, I'd love it if people would jump in on this conversation because I can see a lot of nodding heads and... Uh... Um, and a, a lot of these things I know are, are, are sort of like either sweet sweet spots or sour spots. I don't know which way to put it, um, but they are topics that uh, uh, bedevil us in the sector, which is you know, it, whether it's a relationship with government, whether it's uh, cohesion in the sector, whether it's support for export, whether we're um, whether we're adventurous enough or whether we're already out there and just not necessarily shouting about it. I know that there are so many companies doing such fantastic things. Please, somebody jump in. Steve, thank you if you've got your hand up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to, to either Paul or Timothy, I, I, I don't mind. But uh, the question is simply is, um, have you been on the telly? In other words, if um, uh, Greg was uh, Greg uh, from uh, uh, the food programs was going around GCB in the factory, the other night, and it was very, very good. But it would strike me that, that you're, you've got uh, an example that is equally worthy of a, of a half-hour television programme at, at prime time. Because, yeah. um, so it's, it's part of like a, a, the more broader communication and awareness of not just probably the people on this call with the choir, but to, to, to the general population. 
Well, yeah. they, they've been on manufacturing TV. What can I tell you? I mean, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> manufacturing yeah, TV first, it and was, then the world. It was very good, Nick. I watched it. Yeah, but it, you know, you're absolutely right, Steve. And and, and this is, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased to see Greg Wallace doing this. I know he's, this is the first time I think he's gotten outside of the sort of FCMG sector and he's done something yeah. which involves engineering. I haven't seen the show yet, so I'm, I'll definitely do that on catch up. Um, I, I just, I get somewhat annoyed by his, his sort of, his overexcitable, thing it, it, you know it but i suppose if it's accessible makes it accessible to people who uh, for whom this is new territory well hey that is fantastic and yeah i mean tim did you get much local press or national yeah, I press mean, i'll be i'll be totally honest we were in the paper probably every every week we were in um we were on bbc news uh, i think the bbc came around initially because they'd found this local uh, local news uh yeah bbc midlands yeah. Um, and they, they, they come round originally to maybe look at what we were doing. And when the correspondent came in, she was like, hang on a minute, there's two, three hundred people in here and you're making them in the UK. I was like, yeah. So you're not just buying them in and selling them on. I said, no. They, and it turned in from what we, we didn't realise was going to be quite a negative story to they, they couldn't believe it was all singing, all dancing. And I think that they, they showed, showed it two or three times. Um, the newspapers, I think, were in the Daily Mail, um, the uh, Express and Star, uh, the local, a lot of the manufacturing um, uh, gazettes. I think, well, um, yeah. Uh, for me, I think it was in the news, but it would have been more in the news had it been misappropriation of funds, because actually yeah. there was misappropriation of funds, and they definitely went looking for that story, and I definitely got. <laughs> Um, one journalist seemed quite disappointed when speaking to them. Actually, it was a good news story and something we should celebrate for, for from UK manufacturing. And, uh, you know, Tim is not the long lost cousin of uh, Alok Sharma or, or whoever in else government you needed to be. Um, a chumocracy, if ever I heard one, yeah. yeah but, but isn't that sad? That I mean, obviously, bad news sells, but it was because... The, the, the spotlight should have been on. And it's not just Ramphone. You know, we had the people that we had, the partners that we had, everybody played a part. You know, the, the bacon sandwich lady at the end of the road. All these people played a part in delivering it. And there was people that did masks and there was people that did aprons and there was people that did um, sanitizer. And we clubbed together and made it work. And... <laughs> I think it's you can't just switch on and off manufacturing. I mean, we had somebody call us up and say, oh, can we get five million? This was before we'd started to produce. And we're like, they're not on the shelf. We have to gear up. We have to, you can't just switch this thing on. And I think, and then you can't just switch it off. It's a hose pipe. You switch the tap off. But guess what? Depending on how long the hose pipe is, the water keeps on coming out. Yeah. Who else has got some thoughts they'd like to share on this or, or questions they'd like to ask? Because uh, it is an extraordinary story, and as I say, I think it has uh, huge ramifications. Uh, it, 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 if you dig deep into this story, I think there are so many lessons to be learned around support, around um, procurement, uh, around 
um, solid government understanding. I mean, the, the, Tim, I, I, I accept your reticence on the reasoning behind the cancellation of the of the contract when it got to 115 million. But frankly, um, the uh, I, I'm I'm pretty appalled by the whole thing, as uh, I'm sure others are too. And it's that kind of not unjoined up thinking that goes on um, that so infuriates people in the sector because with just a little bit of understanding and a little bit of you know di direction from government there's nothing really that we couldn't take on and succeed at um who else got some thoughts they'd like to share on this lots of people talking in the chat i'd like them to talk on the uh, um on the uh, on the call he throws out a challenge and nobody picks it up. Seriously, come on, guys. Okay, in that case, Tim. Oh, Steve, you always come to the rescue. Good man. Off you go. Oh, just I'd just like to to, to ask Paul. Um, how, how, you you seem to have this immense expertise in Warwick, and I know I think a lot of it was developed through their interaction with the car industry. How, yes, how long has, how long has it taken you to maybe thinking? Well, I'd like to work in manufacturing uh, for the for the organisation to develop at Warwick University. I can't take the credit for WMG. Um, the, the, the late, great Professor Bhattacharya, and I hope everybody here knows who uh, Lord Bhattacharya was. And he's somebody whose life should have really been celebrated. Um, and Again, uh, somebody who's you know, his been passing, I think, at the start of 2020, um, barely got a, a footnote in the UK and yet was mentioned all around the world. Um, again, something we need to, to, to look to our media. He had the vision or the, the radical thought that it's all very well in engineering. He was an engineering prof from Birmingham originally, and before we uh, brought him over and saw the light uh, at Warwick, he had, had the, the revolution. He thought, well, it's all very well and good doing all this academic excellence stuff, but unless we can apply it to solve real-world problems it's not really very much use and so he collaborated with uh, i think it was rover group at the time or, or its predecessors and built up strong relationships with uh, the, the 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 rover group and it really sprung out of that so we've got a very strong relationship with uh, jaguar land rover nissan and a whole host of other automotive companies and you know, my background, I worked uh, for, 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 for years and years in defense research, aerospace, defense and aerospace. And then uh, and we always looked over the shoulder to the automotive uh, sector and say, how can they we can get things out so quickly? So grass is always greener uh, and then into small business. And only then after that, I went to join WMG. And my view on, on academia while I was working in industry was it's all very good all this clever stuff but it's not very applied not very practical and nobody ever responds in a remotely sensible time scale um, and one of the key things for, for me and the, the group is uh, we have to respond on the time scales of our client our smes so if they want they want an answer the next day we give them an answer the next day if they want a job doing over the weekend we'll, we'll and, and and we really need to do it We'll pull out the stops and, and 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 try and get it done for the you know over the weekend, and that's what I think the the, the mindset is. Most of the team at WMG, we're not academics, we're not researchers. Most of us have an industrial background, but a real passion to 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 support uh, manufacturing because it's hard. The job is hard enough. Making anything is really hard, even simple things, especially simple things. Even 
<laughs> making them making them in volume, selling them, making a profit with all, all, all the changes that are going on is a really tough job. So anything we can do to help that. And as I say, we have got world-class expertise in our universities if we know how to tap into them. And that's where my job and the job of, of, of my uh, compatriots at, uh, at uh, WMG, I think, uh, uh, you know, like to excel, we be able to translate that sort of industry need because we've lived there. We've had the pains. We've got the scars, some of us, quite literally. Um, and into, in, in, into sort of say, right, um, yeah, we can help you with that uh, problem on, on production line um we 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 could look at you know the seven ways we we can we can understand understand that sort of language we can look at sort of changes of uh you know uh suppliers and look at sort of uh you know take some of the risk out of it you know um you can't supply overseas we'll look to try and uh, find uh, an acceptable local supplier um, which will meet other the, the specs. Okay, it hasn't all got the tech specs. We'll, we'll, we'll use some of all the equipment to get the tech specs. So, uh, sorry. To me, that sounds like long. a full one-hour television program, you know? <laughs> I have I mean, been you, on you, TV. You, I, I don't examples like... of everything people want to see. And, what, uh, and, we, uh, and the typical of Britain in the manufacturing sector, it seems to me we have great things. I mean, amazing things, but we just need to communicate and we need so that we develop more of them. Uh, yeah. and, and um i just think that's probably a full hour so uh, <laughs> and, and ce celebrate our champions yeah um, and i think i think it's worthy of note that after this so this year we've worked with warwick manufacturing group and we've had two uh interns for uh just under three months i think paul yeah um and we they're obviously on their summer break and uh initially we, we just wanted one um, but we interviewed, I think it was six, or you managed to get us down to six, and we interviewed six, and there was there was two standouts, and we ended up um, doing sort of going in two directions. We hadn't got a fully automated cost modelling system, and um, we were still guilty of using a piece of pen, a, a paper and a piece, uh, uh, and a pencil on our costings, and finger in the air, that'll take seven minutes on certain things. And we now have an automated costing system that was compiled in 10 weeks from a whiz kid from Warwick Uni. Um, we then had another gentleman that we were looking at a product that's molded that we've not done. And he's designed a full product range for us in, I think he did it in seven weeks. Yeah, a new sector. And he, he was from yeah. uh, Bath, wasn't he? Bath, yeah. Yeah. Great, so, two great guys. Twenty-one years old, I think. Were they, Paul? I know it's it, it, it's it's frightening the, the skills they had, and and and, yeah. and and that's again something that you know it's a real privilege to be able to be a part of. And that, um, that's one thing that I can recommend that for for the cost that it that it you know a minimal cost should we say in the support because the two guys had the whole support of everybody's brain at, at Warwick Manufacturing Group and all of the facilities and all of the machinery um, for those 12 weeks and the backup that it created I'd recommend looking at it for every everybody. Okay John Hardwick. Evening all um, yeah uh, thanks for the, the case study really both Paul and Tim uh, and I guess my question is to both of you because I'm very interested in, in the change aspects of this and, you know, when there's a crisis and, you know, it's a war footing, you can move heaven and earth and things can be done in in 10 days that usually take 10 months. But I suppose my question is, 
what learnings are transferable. You know, if there's learnings coming out of what you achieved in that war footing, are there things that are transferable or, or that people on this call could apply in a non-war footing? You know, what are the things that are actually something that they could take away from the call and, and apply back in the day job from what you've learned? I would say, from my point point of view, it's to celebrate your, your as I said, celebrate your weaknesses. Quickly identify something that you're not good at or that you could be better at. And whilst we all try to improve, it's, you know, I'm a firm believer of we used to have breakfast meetings. So what we used to do is three times a week, we'd put people together that would never normally have lunch together or they'd never normally probably even speak. And we changed the dynamic and, and we'd have these little, the company would pay for the six sandwiches or whatever that group was at that time. And they talk about each other and actually realize, hang on a minute, that guy that stands on the back of that machine actually isn't a bad bloke. He, he just looks miserable or <laughs> he just, you know, and it's, it was, I can't reiterate how much it, it taught me with teamwork. It's having that, you know, giving that information, having these sort of town hall meetings and, and having a bit of a huddle and pushing everybody in the right direction. And you can say that, you know, these books and all, you know, our facility you know you you know that the people are there and how it works but if you get everyone on board and you're going in the right direction it really does help i i think i can completely resonate with that um it's a great answer i think it's that purpose isn't it the common purpose yeah. and yeah. creating that common purpose when it's not being thrust down your throat from no. literally from a virus but yep. finding what is that common purpose in your day daily life yeah and no, everybody's absolutely. input matters you know yeah. some of our i mean i don't know if you've seen some of the videos that are on linkedin there's a gentleman called richard rudge that's worked for us for many many years and he came up when we were starting to manufacture it obviously he's on the uh machine i said what can we do better rich and he went mm, i've never really been asked that and I was like, well, what do you think? How can we do this? What can we do? What can we do? I, you're the man on the ground. You're the man that uses this machine day in, day out. Talk to me. So we had a chat and we did it. We ended up being able to put two machines back to back. You know what? We'll have a skipper that's a feeder running around and we'll have three people loading it. And then, you know, uh, Paul, the technical director, he jumped in and everyone spoke and we did it. And we'd actually did this. Here's another one for you. So... It's not all rosy. You know, we, we have manufacturing issues. We had some issues before December with breakdowns. But the day before Christmas, Asda, we, we, we did uh, a food bank donation. And we basically filled the Asda van. And in hindsight, I should have had it delivered to the food bank. But for some reason, I just delivered it to work. And I didn't realize that it doesn't come in bags. So I'd got 1,200 items on the Asda van. That the guy can't leave the baskets because he said he's in trouble for leaving baskets with people. So we've got to empty it. So I went into the factory and said, right, I need some help. Now, I didn't tell anybody what needed to be done. But everybody knew that that van was full of food. One bloke was going to put the baskets on the floor. And us guys and girls had to get it all in a manner without breaking anything. And it was done within the eight minutes that he's only, or seven minutes that he's only supposed to be there. And it worked. And nobody told anybody what to do. 
because the comp- the teamwork and whether it was because of charity or whatever it was, and it happened. And I, I, what I came away out of this, and we've actually got a bit of a, a, a meeting on it next week. How can we take what happened there? We had directors, we had cleaners, we had dispatch. We did it all without any instruction, just watching, leading. So how can we mirror that and everything else that we're doing? Oh, that's a great story, Tim. Thank you. Joe Dunsey, uh, you've got your hand up. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, um, really interesting to hear about this um, and reassuring to see some progress about buying British. I think the mess that the Prime Minister got himself into a, yesterday, talking about lateral flow tests from the UK, is is nearly two years into the crisis, is discombobulating, to put it mildly. Um, but it reflects that sort of my concern more widely is this sort of British procurement side. I mean, I think Sharon Graham, the new the new general secretary of Unite Trade Union, was absolutely right to call out HS2 last, last week around the lack of the government's target for steel in, in, uh, in building such a huge project. Um, you know, and we read that it's the French who are providing the steel for that. So, you know, I think the stories are really important and the communication has to happen. And it's also about trying to get the government back to an idea of having an industrial strategy, which, you know, Theresa May put into the title of the business department, but now it seems to have been dropped under, under pressure from the Treasury. And and I just look, I mean, you look at, you can see how the French are successful. The French make a priority of procuring domestic steel, and that's that's a positive. You compare with the Germans, you know, we, we are paying 60, 70% more for industrial energy than the Germans. That's their industrial strategy that prioritizes manufacturing. And again, you know, at steel, the United States, well, the United States uses tariffs. I mean, the unfortunate thing for Brexit seems to be that the Europeans no longer have steel tariffs. And yet we are still lumbered with them. Um, so my, I guess my question is, whether it's a point or a question, but rather about the, you know, the, these are success stories, but, you know, we, we, need, we, we need to shout about it. But actually, how can we use the shouting about it to get governments, not, not just on the political side, but also from the Whitehall side to see, you know, this can't be just about odds and sods and one-off contracts. This has surely got to, we've got to change the way we do, we do industrial thinking and strategy in this country. And, and that still seems to me to be where we have a massive weakness. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks, Joe. That, that's, that is really core. Yeah. I agree with that thinking right the way across. Um, there's a, another bit of the story because I, we, we do, do a lot of policy bashing and all that on on this call. I want to stick with the uh, Ram Firm story and the WMG story because there is a, another bit of the story which I think is worth telling as we approach seven o'clock. It's about the fact that um, obviously a fifteen million pound a year company had a contract which. Uh, was worth at the end 115 million. So, Tim, what did you decide to do with what, frankly, was a hell of a windfall, um, deserved one at that? And how did WMG, or how are they helping you? We've heard about the interns, but I know there's more. Develop your business to to, to capitalise on this, and not just you know stick the cash in the bank. So we've reinvested. Um, we've uh, reinvested in machinery, um, new machinery. 
uh, new systems, uh, new people, a senior management structure. Um, but I'm not sure about everyone else on this call, but I am noticing that I go into the office every day. Um, the traffic up until, should we say, lockdown four, it sounds like a Street Fighter game. Um, if the, you know, the working from home, it's been taking me, so I live 34 miles from the factory. Uh, 11 years ago, 12 years ago, I could get there in about 41 minutes at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, before the pandemic hit, I probably got to about an hour and five, an hour and 10. Since maybe September, it's taken me two hours to get there every day, two hours to get home. Now, um, working from home has hit again, and I'm not sure if anyone else has seen this, but the roads are empty. I'm sailing into work at any time and I'm leaving at any time and it's not that bad. Um, and uh, what I'm seeing is that there is a bit of a downturn in our, you know, yes, it's Christmas and January is always a quiet month, but December and January, there has been a downturn. So what we've looked at, this has we need to come up with our own product. So our main uh, business, we could say, was a service sector. We sell slices of bread for companies across the whole of Europe to turn into a sandwich. So what we've been working with the Warwick Manufacturing Group is making our own products, coming up with new products, new services, and also how we can get value add. We've just been, you know, I hate to say it, slices and dices, selling sheets of foam. And, you know, we sell a sheet of foam for £10. Someone makes it into a £150. We've never really got involved in that value add. And we're challenging every single thing that we used to do. Why are we doing it like this? We've always done it like that. Well, not anymore. Every single point of the business now, we've overhauled, we're changing, we're, we're mapping out processes, we're mapping out procedures, and we're trying to automate everything that we can to, to try and save whatever we can in order to grow. Because I'm not sure, again, with anyone on this call, but our margins probably over the last two years have took a beating. And I saw uh, a... Um, uh, article pop up that you know seven in ten companies will be putting their prices up within the next month and that's not just down to raw material they're saying inflation is at six percent by april gas and electricity is shooting up um fuel i mean look at fuel what was it one pound twenty one pound thirty this time last year and we're at 154 are we you know, things are going up. So we've reinvested. We've brought on new people. We've, we're opening up another facility in Europe. We're looking to obviously uh, increase our factory in Saudi Arabia and, 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 put, it, and put it back. But the, Tim, quick question. You say you're looking to, to create more value-add products. Have you been able to identify products that are currently being made uh, offshore that you can bring back to this country and make yourselves um, and have the high volume and higher value-add um, element to it? Yes, so we, we've, we've itemised uh, three at the moment. Um, we're talking to two um should we say distributors for those items but at the moment with the shipping costs i mean shipping costs are astronomical i don't know if anybody ships anything from america but we've gone from to dubai uh, two thousand dollars it was a container to twenty three twenty four thousand dollars um i saw i don't know if anyone's got children but i bought my son a nerf goat cart this time last year and it was 101 pounds I went into Smith's before Christmas and that same goat cart made in China is 171. And that's because the, the shipping used to be £7 a goat cart and now it's £70 a goat cart. Um, but there has been, we've seen personally, a lot of reshoring. But what I'm worried about is 
when the shipping costs stabilise, if government and things haven't done anything, people are going to naturally default back to China or the Far East. And we're going to be, we're just a stepping stone in that cycle. So we need something to help all of us as manufacturers that we're not just going to be used because there's investment. People are going to have to grow to support it to then next year, it'll go out the country again. But I think we're missing out on as well. Every contract that's handed to a UK company, there's money that stays here. There is the VAT, there's a tax, there's, you know, the money, there's the money for the local economies, there's a PAYE, national insurance. The government gives something to China, the money's gone. There's nothing being spent back here, it's left. So, you know, out of everything, you could, you could probably put a value of, I mean, I remember once, you know, a tie, they went back to how much a tie actually costs when we're at university and, you know, the, the farmer that's making the, the, the yarn and blah, 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 and a tie is what a fiver a tenner yeah I, I think i think what you're expressing tim is something that a lot of us have been considering which is that terrible though the pandemic has been it has it it all crises create opportunities and, and you've identified some and i think you're absolutely right to say that if we don't grasp these opportunities and make something of it then just going back to the way we were before is is not going to be good enough. We you know we we know we have a productivity problem. We know we can resolve it. And and people like Paul Milne, um, WMG, and others in in the catapult. That's what they're there to do. We've got the resources. We've got the skills. It's just bringing it all together. And if we let this slip through our fingers, I think we're going to feel, or many of us are going to feel really aggrieved by that. Yeah. Um, so Paul, maybe you could just have a we've got a couple of minutes to go. Just a thought on. On that about sort of capturing some of the uh, the magic juice that uh, we've got we've uh, distilled out of the last rather terrible two years. I'll, I'll turn it around and ask a question. It's the start of the new year, so so what I would ask each and every company on the call: What are you going to do differently this year? And I, if I were to make a plea, is say you know spend some time working on the business, not in the business. Ask for help. There's a lot of help out there. Not all at WMG. I have to say, and we are good, but there are the good people out there. So, so please use that support. Um, we know the challenges. We, we, we've been good at surviving in adversity. Manufacturing in the UK has had it tough for generations, um, and and we have survived. We're still we're still uh, you know one of the you know in, in the top ten manufacturing nations in 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 the world. So we we've still got a lot of capability. So it's tapping that capability, having the confidence, and we touched on it, making some noise about it, um, and and what are you going to change? Because the there's a world full of opportunities if, 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 if we go for it and if we get the support and, and we can take, you know, we're, we're, we're there for the journey on the companies. We don't want to just help a company and then forget it and tick a box and move on to the next one. We want to create success. We want to create, you know, make UK manufacturing, uh, uh, grow UK manufacturing and, and make, make us a more sustainable, huge opportunities around sustainability. Um, government's on about net zero, but it's precious little information on how to solve that problem. Now, I reckon in and around this room, each of us has some good practice to share. Let's get sharing that. 
Okay, I, it's it's seven o'clock, and and bless you all, uh, Paul. Thank you, and Tim. Thank you. I, I I really do like to let people get off at uh, seven, and there's a always a delicious bottle of Malbec waiting downstairs for me, so I'm <laughs> itching to get towards it. But the point you made, Paul, that is apt, I think absolutely, and Tim made it as well, is that money that goes in. It's not pound, you know, put a pound in, get a pound out. A pound that goes into manufacturing comes out at eight quid, or maybe that's an exaggeration, but they do say that uh, you know, for every job in manufacturing, there are at least seven or eight more dependent on it. Um, so this is uh, this is 2022. Let us keep beating this drum and uh, getting this message out as loudly as possible. Paul Milne, Tim McQueen, thank you very much indeed for being with us. Thank you, everybody, for being on the call. Absolutely super. Um, we're going to get something really special lined up for February. We look forward to seeing you then. Have a great week. Take care. Thank you.